Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be. This is Snapshots in Hockey History. Welcome back for another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History, where we relive the hockey highlight reel. My name is Brett Smaltz. Great to have you if you're first-timer or if you're returning. Always good to chat. Let's go ahead and get the business out of the way. Snapshots in Hockey History is a listener-supported podcast brought to you free of charge every single Monday and Thursday at 8 a.m. I will never ask you for a dollar out of your pocket, but... If you like what you hear and want to do something nice to help the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I can't emphasize enough how much that really helps with spreading the word of snapshots in hockey history. Please also follow us on social media. And don't forget to share with your friends. Our Facebook is Snapshots in Hockey History, and our Twitter is Snapshots In. Man, I'm going to talk some non-hockey for a second. Did anybody else notice the stock market today? The NASDAQ plowed down 5%. I guess I won't be retiring for the next 30 years. I mean, don't get me wrong, the stock market goes up, it goes down, but it's always more fun when it's going up. And even though we've had a good run, it still stinks when it goes down. Thank God we have hockey to watch. Last night I was uh, watching the Florida Panthers and the New York Rangers. Also got to catch a little bit of the San Jose Sharks, Columbus Blue Jackets. And I tell you, the Blue Jackets are going to be the team of the future. Seth Jones, I really think, is going to turn into an elite defenseman. But what really stunned me yesterday when I was catching up on hockey, when I talk about defensemen, was Zach Bogosian. Ladies and gentlemen, News alert, Zach Bogosian is leading the league in fighting majors nine games in. Yes, Zach Bogosian. I've never noticed Zach Bogosian ever fighting. The only time I think I ever noticed him fighting was probably against Donald Brashear 10 years ago when he was a young, fresh-faced kid coming out of that 2008 draft where it was stacked. The first five guys taken, I think Stamkos was taken. Then it was Drew Doughty, Bogosian, uh, Alex Pietrangelo, and, and I think one more player. Oh, yeah, Luke Shen. When I look at those guys, though, I would have never thought of Zach Bogosian as the guy that would become the fighter. I think it's awesome that he's doing it. I think it's great that he's taking on a leadership role. I saw he's wearing an A in Buffalo. I think Buffalo's got a bright future ahead of them with Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin. I'm happy for my friend Kyle that lives up in Buffalo. He's been through a lot of years of droughts, and they're looking to get their first Stanley Cup. So happy to see that the Sabres are making some changes. But Zach Bogosian never saw that coming. Really didn't. After all, the most fights... Zach's ever had in a season? Three. This year, he already has three in nine games. Bogosian's one of only three players that actually has multiple fights on the year so far. The other one, Brad Marchand, no surprise there. And there was one more player that had the multiple fights. I'm trying to think who it was. Let me think, let me think, let me think. Scott Mayfield. And of course, we got to talk about how awesome that Jamie Benn fight was. I didn't realize the guy was making $9 million a year. It was an old style fight with no shield and everything. It was good to see. Speaking of no shields and good fights, we've got Barrett Jackman back for part two of his interview. The feedback I got on part one was really good. Definitely saw the numbers spike a little bit on Monday. I can't tell you how great of a guy he was. He actually sent me a text after the first episode aired and said how much fun he had. And so we're definitely going to have him back on. During this part of the interview, he talks about going to the All-Star game, the second half of the season with the playoffs, really gets into some good details and some good stories. This interview picks up right where we left off on Monday. So if you haven't heard the first part of the interview with Barrett Jackman, go back through our archives. We also have some interviews there with Mike Lawler, Alan Hangslaben, and Grant Jennings as well. Just an FYI for some of you newcomers, Keith Kachuk, power forward that played in the NHL. His nickname was Walt Kachuk after another player that played in the NHL. No relation between the two. So if you hear the name Walt, they're talking about Keith Kachuk. Anyways, enjoy the interview with Barrett Jackman. Keith Kachuk known for being hilarious. 
Was there something that Keith has done in the past that just made you laugh that you can share? Jeez, I I think you know I think the time that uh, Billy Garen, Doug Wade, and Dallas Drake were all on the same team, and uh, they were the biggest tattletales I think I've ever uh, you know ever seen in my life. They well, would sit so there. And, well, no, they would uh, they would get everybody involved though. They kind of you know Big Walt would kind of sit beside you and. He kind of goat you into saying something about Dallas Drake or about Dougie Waite, and he would say it. And then, if you even kind of agreed, he would run into the next room, find those guys, <laughs> and then bring them back in and be like, "Hey, Jax, you know, tell Dally what you just said about him." And it was uh, it was pretty funny. He, uh, yeah, he was always a barrel of laughs, and uh, yeah, just uh, you know, still he's uh, you know a good friend and and working a little bit with. And uh, you know, on the other side of it, in the scouting uh, side last year, just uh, he's, uh, you know, him and his family is 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 something that uh, you know the way that he handles his kids and his wife uh, is, is is something that both my wife and I uh, look up to and and always try to uh, you know kind of be the uh, the father and the and the the parent that uh, that they're uh, you know Chantel and him are. Oh, that's great! I know his son uh, just signed, I think, with the London Knights. Uh, he's going to leave college early and he's going to go play in the OHL. Skipping ahead a little bit, on January 2nd of that year, we're halfway through the season. You guys end up playing the Blackhawks, who's, who's arguably, I think, one of the biggest rivalries for the uh, St. Louis Blues. Reed Lowe was out of the lineup. When, when a guy like him, who is your quote-unquote enforcer, is out of the lineup, does that put more pressure on a guy like you who's known for his physical play? Yeah, it definitely did. Uh yeah, I knew if if anything happened, I was I was kind of the guy that had to step up and and uh, and kind of make the other guys uh, you know accountable. So uh, I definitely felt it, but you know there's also there's you know with Mal and and Dally and and some of the other guys on the team, they were, they weren't afraid to step up and 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 also be those you know that guy to to calm things down. So uh, there's a little bit of pressure in the back of my mind, but I also knew that, uh, you know, those guys, uh, you know, and, and Salvador and different guys and Jamal Mayers too, there's all these guys that uh, we're going to step up. And, and, uh, and so I, I wasn't going to have to jump out the next shift. There was always somebody on the ice that was going to answer. And, and uh, so, you know, Relo was, was, was a heavyweight, but we had a lot of tough guys on our team that, uh, uh, would step up and, and share that role. Larry Plo meets with his staff in the midseason meetings, and it's reported in the St. Louis uh, Post-Dispatch that he's looking for another veteran defenseman, and your name pops up that a lot of people are interested in, a lot of teams are interested in you. Everybody says they don't read the papers, but of course, news gets around quick. At any point, were you concerned about being traded during that season? Uh, you know, looking back, I don't, I don't really think I was, uh, you know, again, it goes back to too young and too stupid to, to realize that, uh, you know, you could be traded. I, I, there wasn't many trades that I had, had seen. And, you know, I, I was just trying to focus on, on playing hockey and, uh, you know, I, I kind of, you know, probably just thought that I was untouchable just, uh, you know, the way I was playing, but you never know. Uh, so I, I just tried to just play hockey and, and uh, you know, just uh, enjoy uh, my time in the NHL. Mid-January, you guys play the Sharks again. You win 4-1. to one, You draw two power plays and fight Owen Nolan. <laughs> Are you developing a rivalry with the Sharks? It seemed like you scrapped with Matt Bradley. It seemed like you scrapped with, uh, or it didn't seem like you did scrap with <laughs> Owen Nolan. Do little rivalries start up? Yeah, I remember, actually, that was one of the you know the games I really remember. 
we were kind of uh, struggling. I know Nolan came after me a couple times, and we had some good battles and, and a lot of, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, run-ins. And, yeah, drew two penalties, and then finally, uh, you know, I, I kind of, you know, saw the writing on the wall that, you know, I, I had pissed him off enough and, and <laughs> kind of, you know, he was a little embarrassed the two penalties uh, or the two penalties that were taken. And so I knew I had to answer the bell and, uh, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I knew the code and, and had a lot of respect for, uh, for, for guys that, that play tough. And, uh, you know, we, we got in our fight. It wasn't much of a fight, but, you know, I, I think he uh, gained a little respect for me to, uh, you know, fighting him in that situation. You get selected for the Young Stars game at the uh, All-Star Weekend. I hear that the All-Star Games from a player perspective are really just a, a good time in the sense of they bring a lot of the old-timers out. You get to meet guys from other teams. During that Young Stars game, you had Malkin, you had all these guys, and Brian Sotheby ends up winning the uh, MVP of the game. How was that experience for you? Uh, it was just kind of cool. It was, it was almost surreal. Uh, you know, being there as a rookie and, and running into, you know, all the guys that, uh, you know, I idolized and, you know, it was, it was kind of cool. I remember it was at uh, one of the, the parties that they had and uh, Joe Thornton at the time came up to me and, you know, I, I hadn't really, I don't know if we played him yet or, or not when he was with Boston and uh, he just kind of, he, he sought me out at the, at the party and, you know, came up, hey, Jax, you know, you're having a great year. And that's kind of, it, it took me, uh, you know, it took me by surprise that, you know, he even knew who I was. So, um, you know, meeting a, a ton of guys and a lot of guys kind of came up and, and, and talked to me. And I was too shy to, to go and talk to anybody. But seeing all these big name guys and then being around the, uh, uh, you know, the festivities, although, you know, just kind of the young gun. And so it was, it was really cool to, to be a part of and, uh, you know, still kind of felt like I was, uh, you know, American League player kind of, you know, going there as a fan. Obviously, you were motivated at that All-Star game by seeing all that offensive power. Because the next game you come back and you beat the Flames with uh, Brathwaite and Nett and you have three assists in that game. Clearly, you pick some tricks up at the All-Star game. There's still so many goalies coming in and out of the lineup. Did you guys feel that there was a, a definite goaltending issue on the team? Well, there's a lot of injuries. I think uh, we were in Edmonton at one point. I think it was Reinhard Divas started the game. And then Cody Rikowski came in and played like three minutes and pulled his growing. And Freddie Brathwaite was up in the stands. I think he, he told me he was eating uh, hot dogs and popcorn and had to run down and, and get dressed. And then, uh, you know, ended up, uh, you know, playing in, the, in that game as well. So, uh, you know, we had confidence in all the guys. I think Brent Johnson started the year with a high ankle sprain when he, he played unbelievable the year before. And, and then we just, it, it, you know, I, I think we just felt that we had enough firepower up front that, uh, no matter what happened, uh, whoever was in that, even if you know we had to put our uh, our trainer Ray Borelli in there, I think we we felt like we uh, we can win with anybody. March of two thousand three, diving is a huge issue in the NHL, and Chris Chelios speaks uh, speaks his mind. He said Paul Korea is the biggest diver in the league. I'm not asking you to to comment on anyone specifically, but was diving, in your opinion, an issue at the time? Yeah, I, you know, I think it was the era of the uh, the agitator and that, you know, you know, the, the Tyson Nash, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, made a trend of these these guys that would go in and 
and as soon as they got hit, they, you know, they draw a penalty and, and that's, you know, they kind of took pride in that of, of being the, uh, you know, the Sean Avery's and, and those type of guys that, you know, we're going to draw penalties and it, it just kind of, you know, it, it did make you a little apprehensive of, of playing guys a certain way. And, uh, it was, you know, with one referee, it, it's hard to, to see everything. And, and there was a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, guys that were, were going down to draw penalties and, and the power plays were so good, too, that uh, it was a huge advantage. Trade deadline happens. You guys end up acquiring Chris Osgood to help out with the goalie situation. He ends up becoming the seventh goalie to play for the Blues that season. And you also pick up Valerie Bure. You know, everybody hears about Pavel Bure in his 50 goal seasons. Not a lot about Val other than he married uh, Candace Cameron. <laughs> what was Val like? He was awesome. Uh, just, just an absolute gentleman, a nice guy, uh, but a good player. He was, uh, yeah. He he had the speed. Uh, he wasn't as flashy as as uh, as Pavel, but uh, he, uh, he he definitely had uh, you know had had a, a fit for our team and was uh, was very uh, uh, very useful and, and a great addition. March 29th, you play the Detroit Red Wings one last time for the season. Brett Hall scores a hat trick. Detroit sweeps the season series, but this is a fight-filled game. Towards the end of it, Mellon B attacks Chris Draper. Joey Kosher throws a folding chair onto the ice. You fight uh, Dimitri Bickoff. What led to all that? Jeez, uh, I I remember the uh, all the fights, but uh, I can't remember. I think it was uh, I think it was just some old guys that were pissed off that uh, we <laughs> lost so many games against them and. Yeah, I just remember, uh, you know, Drake and, and Mellonby and a couple other guys getting in a line brawl. And I was kind of late to the party and it was, uh, you know, was was just looking for somebody. And the Bickoff, uh, he kind of grabbed a hold of me and wasn't really looking for a fight, but I didn't want to be uh, left out. So sure. I dropped my gloves and, uh, yeah, just kind of gave him a, a pretty good beating. Joey Koser claimed that Joe Flinville was throwing guys out there just to cause trouble. He's fined $5,000. The team is fined $25,000. Joey Kosher, I had somebody on, I think it was Rob DeMaio, said he was one of the toughest guys he ever saw. You definitely were a tough guy. Was there anybody out there that kind of intimidated you at any point in your career? Uh, Yeah, I I think uh, Donald Brashear kind of lined up against me and uh, told me he was going to kill me. Jesus. uh, That was... uh, you know, that was a little intimidating how uh, how big he was and and uh, you know his uh, his reputation around the league and uh, you know George Larocque he, he was he was huge and 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 tough but I knew he would never fight me so he was uh, he was good but you know kosher some of the, the smaller guys that you knew were you know playing as Ty Domi and and you know watching him fight all these guys that are six foot six and, and kicking the crap out of them you know kind of those smaller guys that you know, kind of look like they match up against you were uh, were the most intimidating, I think. Oh, that's an interesting take on that. This Detroit game was Chris Pronger's first game back. Did you at all play with Chris, you know, later on in your career? Yeah, I played a little bit uh, the next year uh, with him, but, I, you know, I only played 15 games. So, uh, you know, I got hurt. and, and But, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, played a few games with him, and he uh, – He's a different level. Uh, you know, Al is, is, you know, he's great. He's, he's, his patience is, uh, you know, his skating ability and his shot is, is, is huge. But, you know, Prongs with his, his nasty attitude and just the, 
the way that he handles the puck too. It's just, uh, yeah, you, you can see why, you know, Chris has gone to, to different teams and, and taken them to the, to the finals. Just, uh, just his presence, his, his ability to play that high level for, you know, 33 minutes a night is, uh, is like nothing, uh, I've ever really seen. Did you have to adjust your playing style at all with going from McKinnis to Pronger? Cause as you said, they are so different in what they do. Yeah, uh, I didn't have to. Uh, I guess I didn't have to protect uh, prongs as much because mm-hmm. uh, I knew he'd he'd stick a guy in the uh, in the face or uh, you know two hand him across the back of the legs and they'd be down before they could do anything. But uh, uh, you know, yeah, just little subtleties. Uh, you know, prongs probably wasn't going to give me the puck and. Uh, so I knew I just kind of had to cover his, uh, his back and, and, you know, just always be that, you know, go-to guy, uh, you know, defensively, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're both such, uh, elite defensemen and, and, you know, take so much off of you and, and in terms of, uh, you know, just getting the puck out of the zone and, and you don't really have to worry about it. So, uh, they're both, both elite and, and, uh, both, uh, pretty easy to play with. Final game of the season is April 6th, and you play the Colorado Avalanche. You have had an unbelievable season, and you're one of the top defensemen in the league. But I got to ask, how do you defend against Peter Forsberg and Joe Sackick? What's the strategy? Uh, you know what? I, I loved uh, playing against Forsberg. I, I, he, uh, you know, I, I always enjoyed playing against the, the top players in the league just uh, to see how I compare. And I always felt like I elevated my game against them, but... Forsberg, he's so strong and he's going to reverse hit you. He's, you know, he's not going to try and, you know, finesse you. He's, he's going to go through you. And, uh, but his skill level to go along with his physicality was, uh, uh, was hard. You always had to be ready for, for the unexpected. He, you know, he might, you know, bury your shoulder into your chin or he might put it between your legs five times before you knew what was going to happen. So you always had to be aware and you always had to be, you know, he had to play him, you know, tougher than he played you and, and, and try and get the edge that way. Go into the playoffs. You're playing Vancouver. They've got Eddie Jovanovsky. They've got Bertuzzi. They've got Trevor Linden, the Sedin brothers. We could do a whole episode on this playoff series, but just to sum it up, it goes to seven games. If you had to do it over again, what do you think you would have done differently, if anything, in this series? Uh, I don't know. You know, we, uh, our whole team, uh, or I guess half our team got the, uh, got the flu, uh, and, uh, Pronger was, uh, was on IVs. Demetra was on IVs in between periods. Uh, Al McInnes came back, uh, from a third degree separation, was getting needles in his shoulder and, and could barely, uh, could barely play, but, but show the, uh, the guts to go out there. And I think he eventually had surgery after that season. Um, I think Havanoff came to the bench, uh, played half a shift, and then left the game because he he was so sick that he couldn't move. So I, I think it was just a perfect storm, and uh, we uh, we just kind of ran out of gas. Uh, uh, it was such a hard series, and I think uh, Finley was uh, had a separated shoulder as well, and a bunch of guys were beat up. So um, I, I just think that. Uh, you know, they obviously they played us pretty tough, and uh, Bertuzzi is a, was a wrecking ball out there. So uh, we just, uh, you know, they, uh, they took advantage of the physical series and going seven games, and uh, they just uh, kind of wore on us. 
sounds like with the Stanley Cup finals, you do have to have some luck involved. And it sounds like it was just bad luck for you guys, everyone getting the flu and, and hurt. But the season, even though it's over, you've got one more thing you have to do. You get elected for the Calder and you're up against uh, Henrik Zetterberg and Rick Nash. Man, where were you when you found out? Do you remember? Did you get a phone call? Who told you anything like that? Uh, you know what? Actually, I think we were, uh, me and uh, my roommate, Sean Poudine, were, uh, were in Vancouver uh, during the, uh, uh, the first round and they kind of announced it on uh, TSN up in Canada. Uh, remember uh, sitting there and kind of watching the panel and, and, and sh- the, uh, they announced the, uh, the finalists for all the, uh, the awards. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of surreal and, uh, it was, it was kind of, uh, kind of a shock that, uh, I, I knew my name was kind of in the hunt, but there was so many great, uh, offensive players that I didn't think I was even uh, going to come close to getting a sniff. That's what was different about you is traditionally it is guys that are high points, big time goal scorers. And really there hadn't been another defenseman in the running like your style uh, that played your style since Brian Berard in 97. Why do you think that you attracted so much attention? Uh, I, I just think I had a, a, a solid season from start to, to finish. You know, there was a little slump in the, in the middle, but uh, I, I just think that, you know, I played pretty consistently and, and, you know, kind of turned some heads with the physical play and the, and the, and the fighting and uh, kind of the, the minutes that I was getting uh, as a, as a, as a young D man. So, and I think those other guys, you know, kind of had limited playing time and, and, you know, not many points in the first half of the season. They obviously turned it up pretty good in the second half, but I think it was just uh, the consistent play uh, throughout the year that, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh, put me, uh, you know, into that, uh, final three. Take me through the NHL award ceremony. I mean, this is something that very few people get to experience. I don't even know where to start. What is the NHL <laughs> award ceremony like? Uh, yeah, it was, you know, just kind of getting there, uh, with my mom and my agent, uh, to Toronto and, you know, <laughs> finding seats, uh, you know, uh, I was sitting next to Al. He was up for the uh, for the Norris, and uh, I remember actually being in the green room or you know the waiting room before, and uh, kind of a little reception. And uh, Brian Burke came up to me. Oh wow! And, uh, he uh, you know he shook my hand. and He's like, you know what? Uh, really think you deserve this award. You should win it, but uh, you probably won't just because of uh, you know defensive defenseman. But you know you deserve it, and I kind of you know stood back and didn't know if that was a you know a compliment or it's like or, a backhanded or not, but, compliment you know it was yeah. kind of like you suck but or you're good but you <laughs> suck man you know what i mean yeah so he was that was pretty uh pretty cool that he kind of came up to me and talked to me and so just kind of a lot of waiting around and then uh you know finally when the uh when it uh you know the announcement came and uh, I was a little bit shocked that uh, they actually uh, announced my name, and I really wish I would have had a speech prepared to, or, or written down. I was trying to trying to wing it, and uh, you know, yeah, even uh, at the end of it, actually, our uh, PR guy, Mike Crusoe, came up and 
and goes, hey, why didn't you thank the coaches? I'm like, oh, great. That's, <laughs> you know, the, you know the, the guys that I really should probably thank the most, uh, you know, besides uh, my mom and, and Al, uh, you know, I, I messed up. So, uh, you know, if they ever listen to this, that uh, Quinville and, and Kitchen were, uh, were a huge part of that year. I'll make sure we send copies to them just so they know <laughs> that 20 years later that they were appreciated. Does that work for you? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, oh, hey, man, you know, tell everybody what you're up to nowadays. I don't know if you have a social media presence. Uh, I know you're working with the Blues. What, what are you up to nowadays? Yeah, no social media. I uh, I, I don't think uh, my life is too exciting. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't really uh, share that with anybody. I'm more of a low-key, uh, you know, out of the, uh, the, uh, the public eye. But I worked with the uh, the Blues as player development last year. Uh, it was uh, it was fun. It was uh, uh, a huge eye opener to see the other side of the game and and uh, being in meetings and then draft and all that. But uh, I, I just spent a little too much time away from my family. I get uh, uh, a son that's almost nine, a daughter that's almost seven. So uh, just kind of focusing on family right now and uh, you know looking into uh, some different things. Hopefully, uh, you know with the Blues on uh, some community outreach and, and those type of things. So um, uh, just enjoying being a father and, uh, you know, probably rushed into uh, post-retirement life a little too fast and, you know, kick back and, and uh, enjoy the family. Enjoy yourself. And one last thing, uh, and then I'll let you go. I know you were really close with your mother and she meant so much to you in your career. If you had to summarize your mom's personality, how would you do that? <laughs> Uh, strong, independent, and uh, will do anything for her kids. So she, uh, uh, growing up, she was, uh, you know, single mom, and she was uh, working, you know, 12-hour shifts at the uh, the hospital, and she'd get home in the morning at 6, and then, you know, load me up and take me to, uh, to hockey tournaments and, and all that. So she uh, made a ton of sacrifices, and both my sisters did too. Uh, you know, they spent way too much time at, at rinks and, and traveling to, to hockey and baseball tournaments. So... Uh, you know, my whole family sacrificed so much for, for me to be, uh, you know, professional and, uh, and follow my dreams. So yeah, my family is, uh, you know, the backbone of, of, uh, the reason that I may, uh, you know, had a career, uh, like I did. Isn't it crazy how, as you get older, you kind of look back and you wonder how the hell did mom and dad do that? <laughs> work a full day, take me to hockey, check over my homework. It, it makes you, and I'm not a parent yet, but it makes you, I can only imagine as a parent, it's that much more. Yeah. You know, I, you know, tried to, to do those same type of things. You know, you get back from a road trip, uh, you know, at six in the morning and then, uh, you know, made sure that, uh, you know, I had breakfast with my kids, take them to school and, and, uh, try not to miss anything that, uh, they got going on. But, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's rough, but, uh, you can kind of see the, uh, the rewards in the end when, uh, your kids, uh, you know, got a smile on their face and, and, uh, get to do, uh, you know, a lot of things that, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of other kids, uh, around the world don't get to do. So you definitely, uh, very, uh, very humble and very appreciative, uh, of, of what, uh, you know, my kids and what I was able to do, uh, growing up as well. How cool is it that as a defensive defenseman, Barrett Jackman won the Calder Trophy? I know we touched on this a little bit in the interview and we talked about Barrett Jackman being one of the few defensive players that has won the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. And I was really blown away by that when I went back and looked. Since 1990, there's only been three other defensemen that had won the Calder Trophy. 
So it definitely is something that's pretty rare for a defenseman, let alone a defensive defenseman that doesn't put up a lot of points to go ahead and win that. The other three players were Aaron Eklund, Brian Burrard, and Tyler Myers out of Buffalo. And how great is that comment from Brian Burke? I feel like he's one of these guys that I just have to meet. I mean, nice little backhand compliment there. Anyways, that's all we got for Snapshots in Hockey History. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, tell a friend. Please, please, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps with the algorithms. Thanks for checking things out. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you on Monday at 8 a.m. for another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History.